You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio. It's time now for the Classic Car Show with Tom Cox and Richard Lintonello. Long time no see, huh? Yeah, where, where you guys been? <laughs> yeah, where you guys been? <laughs> You've been up uh, hang, hanging out on the stoop for Christmas, waiting for Santa, I guess, the last couple of weeks, huh? You didn't show up, though. You, you, you got Cole, right? No, he, he tried to show up, but uh, they broke into his sled and they stole everything. But, you know, that's the way it is with <laughs> Left him on blocks. Huh? Well, when you don't yeah, have police, that's what you get when you don't have yeah, police. He's a nice guy. <laughs> the uh, yeah, so uh, first of the year, we've got a fresh frosty Dr Pepper, and uh, oh, feels like we're back in our groove again. Uh, weather out east is a might bit windy, as they say up here in uh, the mountains. I guess uh, yeah. out your way. To- same here. <laughs> yeah, same thing in Knoxville. Uh, very windy today, and uh, we're heading for that big cold spell that's going to grip the rest of the nation. So it's a perfect time to, uh, you know, if you have a heated garage, to get in there and do some work or sit back and catch up on all the magazines you bought, but you didn't have time to rejoin the summer because it was too nice to stay indoors. So, uh, yeah, perfect time to catch up on all that reading material and stuff, you know? Yeah, put a put a fire in the fireplace, kick back in your favorite recliner, turn on a lamp, and read the latest issue of Crankshaft Magazine, huh? There you go. It's a good idea. <laughs> We're working on issue number eight now. So, uh, been keeping busy the last few days trying to write some good stories, so always enjoyable. Yeah, the uh, the most recent issue, which just came out just prior to Christmas, uh, fantastic. You did an awesome job. Keep raising the bar, my friend. Keep raising the bar. Yeah, we, we give it our best effort, so, uh, you know, it's, it's enjoyable to do, and everyone loves it, and Always getting great feedback and phone calls yesterday from several guys saying, my subscription ran out, I've got to get back on track, I love this magazine, and all that stuff. So, uh, good to hear. Makes me feel good. It is good to hear. And uh, even better to hear is them uh, re-upping for another subscription year. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's an easy thing to let go by, too. I've done that many times, so... You know, just yeah, remember if you do want to subscribe, Richard Scott still got the most recent back issues, some available. So if you subscribe now, he can fix that so that you get that issue along with the next three issues, right? Yep. Yeah, we can. You, you know, the problem is a lot of times, you know, we send out these emails to all those who are up for renewal, and the emails go into the spam box, and people don't see it. And sometimes they just, you know, delete their spam box without going through it. And uh, 
just doesn't get found. So it happens. That's the nature of uh, technology today, I guess. But, yeah, we're still cranking away and, uh, you know, just putting together my calendar for the upcoming show season. And it's always exciting to see what's going to be happening in the new spring and summer season. So uh, that's a lot of fun to do. In fact, uh, in March, we have the Horses Carriage Club of America having their national convention and tour here in Chattanooga. So I'm going to head down there that weekend and check out all the grass era cars, which to me are absolutely spectacular and fascinating and so interesting. So uh, I'm looking forward to that in March. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's not like there's nothing at all going on. Um, You've got a event this weekend there in Knoxville. People are nearby. They can come out there. Yeah, we have the uh, annual Cabin Fever Car Show here at the Expo Center in Knoxville. And today, this afternoon, I'll be spending uh, three, four hours at the AACA booth for our local Eastern Tennessee chapter, trying to, you know, trying to drum up more business and get more people to join the club. So that's going to be fun. There's always like uh, 600 cars in the Expo Center, five, 600 cars. And, uh, you know, it's a mixture of, you know, stock and hot rods and, you know, replica cobras and all kinds of stuff is in there. It's an interesting show. It's only 10 bucks to get in. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we can drum up more business for the club. Yeah. Great. Something to do on a windy, blustery day uh, there in eastern Tennessee. So, um, and then uh, in just a few weeks, uh, the AACA National Convention is going to kick off in Chantilly, Virginia. Uh, it's going to be uh, February 8th through 10, and it, it's shaping up to be one heck of a great event. I mean, great seminars, so much going on, a lot of fun stuff, too, like a casino night and, you know, just all sorts of stuff going on. Um, the staff has really uh, outdone themselves on it, and uh, we have a lot of great members stepping up and uh, participating and supporting it. I, I think it's going to be one of the best, if not the best, annual convention we've had in the last uh, 30 years, would be my guess yeah. at this point. Uh, yeah, great location. And in fact, Saturday afternoon, I'm going to be giving a seminar on creating uh, editorial content for the web and also for your newsletter on content that is interesting and engaging and, you know, keeps the members yeah. coming back. So I'm looking forward to doing yeah. that seminar. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd really, really love to make that, but I um, uh, <clears throat> have a prior commitment. So uh, you just have to tell me about it, okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure everybody you know. will when they come. So, what the hell did that guy say? We didn't understand the word he said. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like, uh, you know, I make sure I get all of my Crankshaft magazine email, but but the other stuff from you, I just send it to spam. <laughs> the, uh, and then uh, AACA-wise, uh, 
you know, and it's not that far away. I know everybody's in the grips of winter and, you know, old man winter's uh, coming on with a vengeance. But, uh, you know, April 3rd through 5th, Charlotte Motor Speedway is going to be the uh, AACA Nationals and Grand Nationals. You're going to have two days of national shows there, and uh, the Grand uh, the National will be on Friday, April the 4th, uh, the Grand National on April 5th, Saturday, and prior to that, on Thursday, will be the Zenith Award competition, um, all there at the Charlotte Motor Speedway for AACA, and, uh, you know, for those who are uninitiated, the AACA Grand National is one of the finest shows anywhere in the country. The best cars, the most diverse showing of cars anywhere in the country. And as opposed to something we'll get into a little later on, it's free, folks. Right, Rich? Free, baby. Free. We love free, free car shows. Yes, we do. Absolutely free. Yeah, absolutely free. So, you know, if you're able to, you need to go to be in Charlotte April 3rd through 5th uh, to see the AACA Nationals, Grand Nationals, and the Zenith uh, competition, which was really well attended by spectators last year. Uh, We're going to have roughly 18 cars, uh, which are the finest restorations of the year chosen from the previous year's. Uh, thousands of cars that have been shown in AACA at national events, um, and they'll all be competing for that coveted Restoration of the Year award. Really tough. Um, Rich and I both uh, judge that, and uh, it's tough. I, you know, out of all the judging duties that I engage in, and, and I don't know how you feel about it. But I think that's one of the most tiring ones, you know, because there's always just seconds of degrees between each of the cars in that competition. It's just really, really tough. Yeah, I mean, you know, you go to a regular concourse, a car show, and you judge, and you see cars that run the garment from, you know, uh, Condition one plus, which is like a Pebble Beach quality car, down to three, and everything in between. And uh, you go to Zenith, and they're like, you know, all within just a smidgen of each other because they're all excellent and perfectly restored. And uh, it, it's a shame that you have to nitpick each one, but that's the only way to find out what is the best restoration of the year. So yeah, it's 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 the toughest judging event that I've ever been a part of, and I've judged cars at Bloomington Gold and you know Greenwich and Amelia Island and elsewhere in the Greenbrier, but uh, judging at the Zenith is just the hardest task I've ever had. Yeah, it really is, and you know just to dispel a, a myth out there, you know, so many people are like, oh, the Zenith competition i'll never be able to get a car in that uh you know all those professional restorers are the ones that win the zenith award that is just not true at all not at all you know um it's really pretty evenly split uh between 
uh, average hobbyists who do their own restorations and professional restorers. So it, it's really kind of cool because it's uh, it's still got that, you know, every man involved in the car hobby uh, involvement in terms of, you know, winning. Uh, people just always assume it's the professional restorers that win. Not the truth. I mean, there's a lot of great professional restorers out there, but people just assume that because there are all these professional restorers that the average guy or gal can't do the research and work with the right people and come up with something just as good and they can. Yeah, I totally agree. Yep. Looking forward to that. And that's uh, Charlotte. It's, it's right at the uh, Motor Speedway, April 4 to 6. Come on out, folks. It's free. It's free. Um, so what you been working on? You uh, out there sweeping up Triumph parts or what? No. You know, I, I went into my garage late last night because I realized it's going to start getting really cold, and I I took uh, some of the uh, paint, some of the epoxy primers that I recently, well, that I bought last year. And, you know, that stuff's expensive, so I don't want it to freeze, so I took a bunch of paint and other chemicals inside my house last night. But that's about it. I haven't been in my garage, uh, geez, since, really, I since last summer. I've, I've been so busy working on Crankshaft Magazine, and that's what I've been doing. Yesterday I wrote a story on a uh, 63 Alfa Romeo Giulietta Sprint Special, and now I'm going to, this week I'll be writing a story on a all-original uh, 53 Studebaker Hawk, and uh, that's going to be fun. But, uh, you know, as far as working on the cars, I started one of my triumphs a few weeks ago just to circulate the oil and all that stuff, but I haven't been working on cars at all. And uh, a few days ago, I put together my, uh, I got together my crankshaft and the bearings and the connecting rods. I want to bring them to a machine shop uh, this coming week. You know, here's, here's the stupid thing what happened many years ago. I guess it was about 10 years ago. I had the crankshaft for my TR3 cut 10,000 and uh, thinking I was going to get to it within a few months. And, you know, a lot of personal things happened, and I moved three times, and the crankshaft sat there. And I went to take it out a few weeks ago, and there was some minor rust happening on the journals after all these years. So uh, hopefully they could just polish it out. If not, we may have to cut it another 10,000. So, uh, you know, that's what happens, I guess, when you have parts machine way too soon before you actually get to use them. You really shouldn't do that. So that was a lesson learned. So what you tell Ah, uh, it's time for a break. We'll be right back. Call J.C. Taylor today for a competitive quote on collector car insurance. Give your most prized possessions the attention that they deserve. You'll receive agreed value coverage giving you the peace of mind to know you're always protected. J.C. Taylor has been supporting the hobby with reliable service that has lasted for six decades. Call 888-ANTIQUE or visit jctaylor.com slash awr to get a quote today. That's 888-268-4783 or visit jctaylor.com slash awr. Drive through time with peace of mind. J.C. Taylor. 
And don't forget that following the Classic Car Show is the Classic Auto Mall Show. And um, they have more cars than Santa Claus, all in a big 360,000-square-foot mall. And it is something to see. It may come under the um, 10th wonder of the world. Who knows? But we'll be back with the Classic Car Show right after a couple of more messages. When it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega-dollar collector cars you can't afford, or endless reporting on auctions and how-to tech stories that don't interest you? Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And now, back to the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello. So, uh, Rich, what you were telling me is that, uh, you know, God bless them, the, the triumphs, you know, you got to provide all that corrosion protection and maintenance to keep them from, you know, rusting away. But, uh, you know, I always assumed that the internal engine components were uh, a little better protected against rust. But, unfortunately, internal engine components rusty, too. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, evidently some of the, uh, I guess, grease that they put on the journals after they were cut wore off. Having moved the crankshaft so many times, and the bag had a crack in it, you know, a rip, and uh, air got in. So, you know, again, hopefully the crankshaft will be saved. If not, I got a spare. <laughs> you know, when you have British cars, you have Yeah, that's why it's important to pick up all those parts that fall off while you're going down the road, you know. You don't know when you might need to put it back on. Yeah? That's right. That's right. So, yeah, I I, I can't wait to uh, assemble that TR3 engine and get it back in the chassis. Uh, And then I'll be able to put the shocks in. Because you can't put the shocks in right now because there's no weight to suppress the uh, suspension. So once I do that, then I could, you know, make it roll. So uh, that's my goal for the upcoming spring season, get that done. Outside of that, you know, like I said, you know, we've got a few car shows coming up, and it's an exciting time to see the schedule of events and, you know, put those on your calendar and see which ones you could go to and which ones you can't. So fun time of year. Yeah. Well, just as we're uh, speaking here, I got a phone call from... Mountainland Machine, appropriately ah. so named, and obviously the, the heads are ready for the AM, mighty AMC 360. So nice. uh, I guess next week I can go over there to Mountainland Machine 
and pick up the heads, which now have guides done, seats cut, uh, magnaflux. Uh, <laughs> I, honestly, I intended to pull those things, clean them up, lap them in, and lap the valves in, and just put it back together. And then I kept thinking, well, you know, it needs to be true, this and that and the other thing. It's like the Matador, it, um, I, if I had known that it came with the uh, optional black hole wallet, uh, maybe I would have rethought that thing. But, uh, yeah, so it's moving along. So maybe by springtime uh, I'll be able to uh, cruise down to Knoxville in the Ambassador and uh, cool. Because I told you, I'm I'm coming when you when you paint the Triumph. I, I'm going to be there. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully that'll be sometime in the fall. So got a lot of things going on ahead of time. So, well, so somebody asked me earlier uh, last week um, about the differences in brake fluids. They're like, you know, there's DOT or DOT, Department of Transportation, DOT 3, there's DOT 4, there's DOT 5, and DOT 5.1. And, you know, I was asked, you know, which one is going to be best for my 1955 DeSoto? And, you know, I'm like, okay, well... You've got dot three, dot four, and dot five point one. They're all glycol based. They're all not hy- hygroscopic, which means they absorb water. The interesting thing is dot five, silicone based, right. is hydrophobic, so it does not absorb any water at all. But That's what I have in my silicon. Yeah, the silicone-based dot five is not compatible with any uh, other brake fluid. So one thing you don't want to do is mix the different, uh, you know, silicone and glycol-based uh, fluids. You don't want to do that. You can mix dot three, dot four, and dot five point one, and the only thing that's going to do. Is that gonna, that's gonna change, alter the boiling point. The worst that can happen is, you know, uh, you lower the boiling point of the, of the fluid by mixing them together. And it, it won't go any lower than, you know, the dot three, which just has the lowest, uh, boiling point. It's kind of interesting in a way. Uh, dot three has a, what's called, they, actually look at it from two vantage points, dry and wet boiling point. And since it's hygroscopic, dry means, well, fresh brake fluid with no water in it whatsoever. In other words, it's just basically right out of the spigot at the factory. Unopened, um, you know, you 400 degrees is the upper end to the dry boiling point for the for the DOT3. But within just a very short period of time, and I think it's somewhere around uh, 2 to 3% um, water intrusion into that brake fluid, it drops that boiling point 
which is the wet boiling point, all the way down to 284, 285, somewhere in that range, um, degrees. Uh, so it's a very significant drop once you start to add water to the brake fluid, that boiling point really drops, which eh, is kind of important if you're up here in the mountains, you know, and you're slinging like a 63 Cadillac through the mountains and you're going down a lot of steep grades and, uh, you know, you don't want to end up with brake fade and your brake fluid boiling and, uh, you know, go careening off the side of the road. Um, I have experienced some severe brake fade up here in the mountains. Not a lot of fun. Um, but, but yeah, and, you know, I don't know how you feel about it, but I, you know, you read about it. The silicone brake fluid is not always compatible with all the rubber materials, you know, the cups in your wheel cylinders, uh, the rings in your, uh, uh, the uh, O-rings in the calipers and, you know, other rubber components. So you need to make sure that whatever components you have, that they're compatible with the silicone because the silicone will break them down and there's a lot of seepage, leakage, that sort of stuff associated with it. Um, the puddle tends to be a little more spongy. Um, yeah, for me, exactly. Yeah, for me, I, I would just assume be careful with my brake fluid so that it doesn't, you know, lift the paint. So, you know, you don't want the glycol-based fluid on your paint because, of course, it'll lift it, create problems for you. But uh, I go with what they what they came with. I may upgrade from DOT3 to DOT4 or DOT5.1, and you got to watch that one. Remember it. The 5.1 is glycol-based. The 5 is silicone-based. Um, you know, and the difference between all of those is is boiling point. Like I said, the wet and the dry. The wet boiling point of dot three is somewhere around 285, and the wet boiling point of dot 5.1 is 356. So, fairly significant difference there. Um, the other yeah. thing. Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was well, just saying. You made a comment about the spongy pedal when you use DOT5, which is silicone. When I rebuilt the brake system of my Triumph, all new cylinders, all new lines, all new hoses, I knew that there wasn't, you know, any old brake fluid in there because everything was new. So I decided to put in silicone fluid because the master cylinder and the clutch master cylinder are up on top on a shelf and they always leak. And I didn't want all the paint ruined, so I put in silicone, which doesn't ruin the paint. And uh, it works great. Only thing, like you said, the pedal is a little spongier. It's not as firm as when you use regular brake fluid. So once you get over that, it's fine. Yeah. Hey, again, just make sure that all the all the rubber components are compatible with the silicone, and you know you could easily figure that out by uh, calling the manufacturer of the brake components that you purchased. Um, one thing I will say, if if you're like me and you're going with the, the dot three, dot four, dot five point one, don't. And you know a lot of people do this. They 
buy that brake fluid, they put a little in, top it off at the beginning of the season or, you know, after a rebuild, and then they tighten the lid and put it back on the shelf. Brake fluid has a, once it's been opened, pretty much has a maximum shelf life of a year. I mean, it's not that you're going to die if you use it once it's got some age on it. You're not. But you're going to eat away at your brake system. You're going to have corrosion because it's so hygroscopic. Um, once you've opened it up, even though you think you've got it sealed, it's still got that air that you let in there, and it's absorbing moisture and, and sweating, and uh, and that's lowering the wet boiling point, which, you know, is making your brakes less and less safe. Time for a break, folks. When it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega-dollar collector cars you can't afford, or endless reporting on auctions and how-to tech stories that don't interest you? Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. And I want to take this opportunity to remind everybody, if you're a veteran, America's Web Radio is running quite a contest right now. You could win a AR-15-style weapon from America's Web Radio, assuming that your state and city and county will let you have it. But all you have to do is go to our homepage, americaswebradio.com, and enter the contest to win an AR-15 style rifle. It is beautiful, and there's a picture of it right there on our homepage. So take a look at it, and if you're a veteran, this is strictly for veterans. Take a look at it, and who knows, you might be the big winner. Since the 1960s, J.C. Taylor has been America's premier specialty insurance provider for classic cars, antique autos, modified, and custom vehicles. Our customers have trusted us to protect their prized possessions for more than six decades. For more information, or to receive a quote, contact our expert team today by calling 888-ANTIQUE, or by visiting our website at jctaylor.com slash awr. That's 888-268-4783 or visit jctaylor.com slash awr drive through time with peace of mind jc taylor you're listening to america's web radio on the america's broadcast network.com thank you for listening and now back to the classic car show on america's web radio with tom cox and richard lentinello Okay, so the brake fluid, once you crack that can, whether you're topping off or you're refilling the system, you 
have some left over. Don't think you're saving a whole bunch of money by, you know, tightening the lid and sitting it up there and using it five years later. You're costing yourself money and aggravation because you're going to have more corrosion in your system right off the bat. So what I would recommend, get a permanent marker, one of those black permanent markers. I always have them in my toolbox. You take the lid off. You use what you need, you put the lid back on, and mark the date that you opened it on the lid. And if it's outside a year, when you go to reuse some of it, throw it away and go get a new can. It's not that much money. Uh, save you a lot of time. The uh... So as I got into this conversation with this person, they were asking me, too, about brake lines and you know what they should do. Steel lines, you know, you need to break, uh, which is most of, you know, most cars came with steel lines. You're going to need a brake tubing bender, and you're going to need to try to become fairly proficient at that so that you can, you know, weave the lines back through where they need to and get all the proper bends and curves and so forth in there. You need to practice a little bit to get that done uh, using the steel lines. You need to get a good... All brake lines are double flared. If you don't double flare your brake lines, they're not going to seal up well. So you need to buy a good, decent flaring tool so that you can double flare your lines. And my best advice there, watch some YouTube videos on brake line flaring. Um, Not that difficult, but there is a technique to it, and you can get it really easily but uh, you really need to do it right. But that brought up the topic of uh, copper nickel brake line that you can buy in a roll, coil, whatever, coiled up. And uh, the copper nickel, you can actually form it by hand. So it's softer. It's a lot easier to use now. You know, just thought about it just on the surface, you'd think, well, gosh, it's softer. It's probably not as good as the steel. And the thing of it is, is it is, and it's actually better than the steel because it's more resistant to corrosion than the steel. Now, that's just not to be confused with stainless steel brake lines. There are a lot of companies out there you can buy pre-bent, pre-made stainless steel brake lines. They will outlast anything else but the copper nickel is a whole lot uh, longer lasting than the steel brake lines that your car came with and if you really want a product that you can work with easily it's easy to work with you know with the steel lines you've got to have bending tools and everything else it's really easy to screw up while you're working with it um I don't mind it so much, but it takes a little bit of practice at first to kind of get in the swing of things to get it done. Um, so I've, I've got some copper nickel, too. I like it. The only thing I'll say is you work with it slowly because it's hard to keep straight just simply because it's it's softer. Um, but um, And while we're no. on it, just a, go ahead. Go, go. The, the problem with stainless steel brake lines, and this happened to me, 
when I was restoring my Triumph, I had, like I said, all new lines made. And it was a prominent stainless steel brake supplier who supplies a lot of stuff for muscle cars and things like that. So they made me a whole new set for my Triumph. And uh, I had leaks all over the place. And the, as I found out that stainless steel is so hard that the flared part, when it goes into the little, you know, brass unions, uh, it just wouldn't seal because they, they don't bend, you know. Uh, the, the lines that you talked about, they are a little more pliable, and as you tighten it, it will make a firm seal. But with stainless steel, you got a wrench on it almost to the point where you're going to strip the threads. So I had really bad luck. I know some people out there. Uh, use stainless steel brake lines, and they didn't have a problem. But they they were very difficult to deal with. I got rid of them, and I had, uh, you know, an original set bought from England and in the original material, and it just went in, and boom, no more no more leaks. So just be wary of stainless steel. It's a very hard metal, and you will get leaks until you figure out, you know, how to seal it properly. Yeah, it's definitely definitely more difficult to work with. I, you know, for most people, I would highly recommend the copper copper nickel. Uh, it's just easier to work with, and you can buy a coil of it from anywhere: AutoZone, Amazon, eBay, whatever your preference is. And <clears throat> you know, since we're talking about brakes, if you're doing drum brakes for um, you know, people always say, you know, gosh, you know, the one thing I hate about doing drum brakes, you know, I really can't see where my shoes are in relation to the drum itself when it goes back on. I've got to do all this adjusting with the brake spoon to turn that star adjuster to move the shoes in, out, and generally speaking, everybody moves them way in, and it just takes more time. Um I would suggest that you go out and buy what's called a brake resetting tool. And what that does is you you look it up, brake resetting tool. You can buy them on eBay, Amazon, wherever, for about 25 bucks. And uh, they slide. You loosen it up. They slide till they – it's got a set of feelers on it that matches the inside diameter of the drum. You tighten it down, and then on the opposite end, it's got another set of uh, feelers, if you will. And they transfer the inside diameter of the drum to the shoe. So you can actually, I mean, get really, really close to the point where you really don't have to do anything because most you know, most of them have self-adjusters on them, so when you're backing up, um, it actually adjusts the shoes so you can get away from all of that tedious work with the brake spoon trying to figure out where you're at. The uh, brake resetting tool, again, it measures the inside diameter of the brake drum and it transfers that measurement to the shoe. So you put that gauge up once it's set, up to the shoes, and all you do is turn the star adjuster until it brings the shoes out so that they contact the uh, feeler on that brake resetting tool. It's a really great tool. It's a great time saver. 
Um, I, I highly recommend it, and shoot, even Richard would spend 25 bucks for once. I'm just saying. I got two of them. Yeah, see? Got to have them. Got to have them. And, uh, you know, the other thing, when you're buying replacement wheel cylinders, try to find a quality manufacturer. I won't say that all of them are bad, but just about everyone now, all the brake component manufacturers, the parts manufacturers are sourcing and or owned by China. And uh, the casting and the steel is more porous. Porous. It's lousy yeah, porous. stuff. Yep. Um, just lousy stuff. And, it, you know, you'll replace, put it on brand new wheel cylinders. And within six to nine months, you find you, you look out under your car and you're like, my God, I've got a, a, a leak. Because you see the brake fluid puddle next to the tire. And uh, it's because of these cheap, low-grade wheel cylinders. So if you can't find, I always try to see if I can find new old stock, the older stuff that definitely made in the U.S. If I can't do that, um, like for my uh, 39 Hupmobile, sent those, um, because I can't buy those, I sent them to White Post Restorations and had brass sleeves put in them. It's a much better solution than dealing with garbage uh, steel in your wheel cylinders coming out of China, where all you're doing is chasing leaks and corrosion uh, for the rest of the time you've got them on the car. So just bite the bullet. If you can't find new old stock, good quality stuff, then uh, you know, bite the bullet. Send them to White Post Restorations or some other similar facility. And, and have them brass leaves so you won't have to worry about them again. Yep, I totally agree with you there. Wow, you're good. You're doing good today. I'm really agreeing you with like you a, a lot. You were sad. Yeah, I mean, what's going on here? It's like kumbaya, you know. You, you turned over a new leaf for the new year or something, huh? <laughs> oh, no, we got to change that. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> you and I were having... Uh, conversation just yesterday when we were talking about uh, concours and car shows and the evolution of what's going on out there and you had some had some pretty strong opinions about it and I, I, I God almighty I'm hating this I, I was agreeing with you on that stuff too well you know every now and then you know you realize that uh I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you know what they say up here in the mountains. Uh, even a blind squirrel finds an acorn now and then. You know, I've been going to car shows since the early 70s. You know, shortly after I turned, what, 18 or something. And I got my triumph. I started going to car shows. And I've been going to Hershey since 83. In 84, I went to Pebble Beach back when it cost only $25 to get in. And uh, that's just what I, you know, enjoy doing. And the last two or three years, I noticed, and, and you brought up the same point, that a lot of these high end of, or 
I should say, a lot of these concours are turning into high-end events that are more lifestyle events than celebrating the automobile. It's almost as if, you know, we're doing wine tasting and, you know, uh, we have a fashion show and uh, it's only $400 to attend, you know, this wine tasting thing and and people go and I think they do it a lot of times just to brag to their friends that they went. And you look around, you say, well, where's all the really interesting cars? I mean, some of these events uh, are turning into a late model used car lot with, you know, uh, late model Lamborghinis and Vipers and Ferraris and all that stuff. And we don't mind looking at that stuff, but uh, you can see that stuff parked on the streets in Miami or elsewhere. So why would I pay $150 to get into a show that is really not a classic car event? It's a lifestyle event now, and I have no interest in that. So, yeah, it's the state of the hobby, I guess. I don't don't know. What's what's your viewpoint on that? Because I know we've gone to a lot of the same events. You know, I've gone to the Amelia Island Concourse many times. 10 years ago and such. And, uh, you know, it has new owners now, uh, owned by Haggerty Insurance. And I was there last year, and, uh, you know, you just see the changing of the guard. You know, uh, maybe they're right, catering to a younger audience. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you, you have to think that, um, you know, in their mind, it's a business move because they've, you know, where a lot of the I think are are we up on yeah, a break? Yeah. Since the nineteen sixties, JC Taylor has been America's premier specialty insurance provider for classic cars, antique autos, modified, and custom vehicles. Our customers have trusted us to protect their prized possessions for more than six decades. For more information, or to receive a quote, Contact our expert team today by calling 888-ANTIQUE or by visiting our website at jctaylor.com slash awr. That's 888-268-4783 or visit jctaylor.com slash awr. Drive through time with peace of mind. J.C. Taylor When it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega-dollar collector cars you can't afford, or endless reporting on auctions and how-to tech stories that don't interest you? Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And now, back to the classic car show on America's Web Radio with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello. We're back. So, we were talking about the 
changes going on out there in in the Concord world. And, you know, I would just say that, you know, it, it may be a good business decision on, uh, in this case, Haggerty's part, um, to transition to more of a lifestyle event, which, uh, you know, it, it kind of puts things out of the reach of the average person. I mean, when you start talking about entry fees of 150 and $200, and those are the baseline, just basic admission that doesn't include food or anything else. So, you know, you better figure by the time you're paying 150 uh, just to get in, before you're out of there, by the time you buy your food and everything, you're in for 200 bucks or more. Um, and, and it's even pricey uh, just in general, even if you're just taking kids in. And, of course, we want young people to be involved in the hobby. And I know that you know, Haggerty does a lot of things to promote youth, um, and, and they've been very successful at it. I, I just don't know about the whole Concord thing. I do have some concerns about it because, as you say, it is starting to be more of a lifestyle thing. They've got all this ancillary stuff, and so, you know, classic cars and exotic cars, and it's all about a lifestyle. And I, by putting focus on that, I really feel like they're taking the focus away from at least what initially was predominant, and that's they're taking the focus away from the cars, the focus away from the automobile. And they're, it's getting fuzzy, and, you know, you're talking about high-end wines and boats and, you know, all of the other conspicuous consumption items out there. And I'm not saying that, you know, there's anything wrong with owning any of that stuff. I think it's great. Um, but for the average person and for the health of the hobby, I don't know. I, I don't think it's a good thing. Uh, thankfully... There are other events that, you know, people can go to. And I know a lot of people out there probably think that you and I are so high on AACA because we've, you know, been involved in AACA for a long time. And we do a lot within AACA. But the reason we do that is simply because it is the most accessible, most diverse group of collector car enthusiasts that you can get involved with and for the you know least amount of money folks i mean if you like antique cars every it's in the aaca bylaws all of its national events have to be free to the general public and it's in order to promote the hobby and i will tell you that you know the AACA Grand National, and I'll say it again, I'll say it a thousand more times, AACA Grand National is better than many of the concours out there. And honestly, I don't think you'll find a larger, more diverse group of cars uh, put together, usually hundreds of cars. And they're all AACA senior trophy winners they're all exceptional cars yeah you know uh, you go to the Hershey show and there's a thousand eleven hundred cars all spectacular and it's free you know you go to the Amelia now it's $150 a person to walk in 
you go to the new show that's coming up, RM Motor Miami, $150 to walk in. And that's just for Sunday. If you want to go to the entire, be there the entire weekend or go to some of the other special events, you're talking, you'll end up spending four or $500 a person. And if you want to go to Pebble Beach, I think it's 450 or 475 a person to get in. And if you want to have the opportunity to be there at 6 o'clock in the morning and get there early to see the cars come on the field before the crowds get there, you're paying uh, even more money. You know, like I said earlier, when I went to Pebble Beach for the first time in 1984, it was $25. And I thought that was a lot of money back then, which it was. Who went, Who paid $25 to go to a car show? But who knew that it would be 450 You know, I mean, 150 bucks to go to a car show for one person. If, if you want to bring your wife and if you want to, you know, you have one or two kids and you want to get them involved in the hobby and show them what it's all about, you know, before you know it, that's $600 just to walk into the gate. That's not including buying yeah. food or parking and everything else and even getting there. So uh, it's becoming cost prohibitive for a lot of people. That's why they're turning into lifestyle events. And as I noticed that uh, some of the classic car fields, uh, especially with American cars and full classics and even cars in the 50s, things like that, those classes are getting smaller and smaller, and the exotic car classes are getting larger and larger. And uh, as much as I like the exotic cars, after a while, it's like, you know, you drive onto a show field in a car that's two years old, big deal. You know, what, you know where's the achievement in that, you know? But to look at a, you know, a V16 Cadillac uh, that's been restored, and you look at the Craftsmanship, or you look at a Silver Ghost Rolls Royce, and you look at the workmanship and the quality of the components, you know, that's interesting, that's fascinating. Who wants to look at another, you know, you know, new Lamborghini? I could care less. But uh, that's the way things are going. You know, in Pebble Beach weekend, you have the uh, the Quail, a motorsports gathering. Uh, I think it's $500 a person. I could be wrong. But, you know, you get lunch, you get to taste wine, and uh, I could care less about that wine. You know, after the show, I'll go spend you know three dollars and get a bottle of Boone's Farm if they still sell it. Who cares? <laughs> or Gallo. I'm okay little, with Gallo. Yeah, wine. the Gallo, the Gallo, and then yeah, uh, what was it? Gallon. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? Uh, but, uh, Orson Welles yeah. used it. No wine before his time. Whatever brand that right. was, I don't know. <laughs> but it's, you know, this is the way things are going now. So. uh that's why I think it's a great opportunity now for the AACA to really get out there and uh, let the world know that there are these great events with automobiles you'll never see anywhere else, and they're free, you know. So uh, it, it is what it is. We're not going to change it, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens this coming, uh, when is it, March, the first weekend of March when the Amelia yeah. is happening. Same weekend as RN's new Motor Miami down in Carl Gables. So, uh, yeah, the world is watching. It's going to be interesting to see what goes on. Yeah, you know, think things uh, you know never never remain the same. I will say, even though I'm in, involved, and of course you judge there too. Um, you know, there and, and there are other concourses that are reasonably priced on entry. Uh, but yeah. Rich and I, we we love free. 
you want to go to a free encore Greenbrier, yeah. And yeah. Uh, you, you get to check out uh, all the reasons why the Greenbrier is known as America's Resort. It's just so the history of that place is just unamazing. It's just amazing. It's unbelievable. And, you know, we have a great grouping of fine cars there for everybody. A little bit of taste for everyone, and the owners are there, and or the uh, uh, restorers there. I mean, everybody willing to talk to you about their car. It's a really great great event, and it's uh, it's absolutely free to get in. Uh, and there are, as I say, there are a lot of other uh, events out there that are less expensive and uh, enjoyable. But, you know, Join up with the AACA. Join a Mark Car Club, you know, the, the Corvair Club, Kaiser Fraser Owners Club, Studebaker Drivers Club, Nash Car Club of America, American Motors Owners Association. I could go on and on and on and on. And, uh, you know, they have great shows, too. And if you just want to spectate, most of those shows are also free. They're just, generally speaking, they're not always as large as the AACA shows. And you don't have the diversity of cards because they're, you know, make one make oriented. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's still a lot of places to go. The average enthusiast to have a great time, a wonderful car experience, and not feel like, you know, you've got to go more, get a second mortgage on your home just to do it. Yeah, you know, that. Last year, I went to the Keeneland Concourse in Lexington, Kentucky. A great location. You don't have to take a shuttle bus to get to the show field. Affordable to get in. So put that on your list, folks, the Keeneland Concourse in Lexington. But, uh, yeah, yeah, we're just about done for today, aren't we? Yeah, we're done for the day. But, hey, looking forward to more shows, looking forward to 2024. Uh, Rich and I will be out and about, and we hope we'll get to see you. Till next week, folks. Yep. Ciao. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.